This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're, you're, you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. The Sons of the Shoe rides again. Nick Wilson, Spencer German with you. Hey there, hi there, ho there. Once again, the giving tree that is Buckeyes football continues to give us the latest in awesome news, interesting news. We've got a, a continued reaction on the Ross Bjork hire in what seems to be some uh, in no way seller's remorse from the AM community. We've got to get into Portal Madness, which could deliver the Buckeyes the final or the one or two final pieces to a very strong offseason. And yet, Spencer German, today, as we gathered together in the hallowed halls of wherever the f you are and where the f i am <laughs> it is the unthinkable the thing that we thought and we you and i talked about the off air like when do we have the should ryan day give up play calling conversation and a lot of our reticence to already have this podcast in hand this version of this conversation was well let's see what he does on his coaching staff and it kind of was a slow trickle right you got the safeties move a safeties coach move. Then you got the special teams coach move. Then there was the Corey Dennis move. And then last night, and I remember texting you, I was like, hey, there's some scuttlebutt out there that uh, that the new OC could be announced tomorrow morning. And I was like, I was in this, this, this crisis of when do we tape the podcast? Because... <laughs> I, I want to make sure we get this news in. And the, the football gods were kind to us again. Last night it came out. Bill O'Brien, former Penn State head coach, former, oh, I don't know, Houston Texans head coach, Bama OC, New England Patriots OC, is the next OC of the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, um, I, I guess I'll start by saying we have been – I mean, it, it, I don't know, like maybe Michigan needs to win a national championship more often so that we get all this, we get Ohio State just going all in, balls to the wall. Let's get this thing figured out um, because we have been given like a gold mine of news since, really since Ohio State season has ended, but also in the last week since obviously week plus now that Michigan's won a national championship because they understand the assignment, right? Like Ryan Day knows he has to beat that team next year. And he's got to be competing for national championships. 
And to see this all kind of come into fruition and play out the way it has with so much just news and movement and changes, it's uh, it's been great for us to talk about. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. It's it's been awesome to to have so much to talk about. And our latest one is this Bill O'Brien hire. What's interesting to me about all this is that I think you and I feel pretty level headed about this. And I was actually on the airwaves on 92 through the fan. Um, when this news came down. So I had a chance to kind of react in real time. And I go to break and my board up at the time, I'll, g- I'll give Jax a shout out. Jax was my board up. He was like, Spencer, you might be the only person who seems like even remotely happy about this. Like on, on social media, people are just replying to Pete Thamel's tweet about this hire saying the guy sucks. Um, there was the tweet about that. I saw some people sharing that he's never won. An, a, he never won a national championship with Nick Saban. And in a couple of years, he's been with him. And he never won a Super Bowl when he was working with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in New England and all these different things about how his offense is, is bad and archaic and blah, 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 blah. And I just sit there and I'm like, well, first of all, it, what's ironic? Maybe the most ironic thing about all this, Nick, is that in Cleveland, we're having conversations right now about Kevin Stefanski and his new OC and who's going to take on the play calling duties. And I know Ohio State fans don't necessarily care about this, but what what's funny is I was literally seeing people on social media tweeting about how, oh, Bill O'Brien would be a great OC in, in Cleveland because he's worked with Deshaun Watson and he got a lot out of Deshaun Watson. They should maybe hire him. So this maybe only applies to Cleveland, Ohio State fans, which there are a good number of, so that's that's fair. And I, th- I think a lot of them probably listen to the show because we're a Cleveland-based station. But um but he's so he's good enough to be the offensive coordinator on your pro football team, but he's not good enough to be the offensive coordinator on your college team. I I, I don't understand the math there. Like now all of a sudden you hate it because it's Ohio State versus versus uh versus the Browns. That I I don't understand. Like make it make sense to me. Yeah, I mean I listen. I don't understand the. It, honestly, it is the amount of negative reception to this I, I actually did when i saw bill o'brien and you know the message boards had kind of been linking bill o'brien to this opening for longer than almost anybody and the other names that we thought were in the running were toledo head coach uh jason candle he yeah. was in the running for the miami oc job a couple of years ago he's been in the running for a few different offensive coordinator gigs but has not pulled the trigger uh it was liam cohen the uh oc at uh, kentucky that has sean mcveigh ties back to the la t- uh, the la rams and then it was who am i forgetting there's um, one v- very obvious guy that i just am not there, but there was there was a third candidate but i remember you know, those three vivid those are the three i remember the most i'm trying to think who the other one was but bill o'brien was kind of the guy that had been around and so I, I knew, like, just based off message boards and everything, I kind of knew that it wasn't going to be a universally beloved hire. But I'm, I'm a little caught off guard at the extent of it. You know, some of the initial reactions were, well, you know, is he is he really an upgrade over Ryan Day as a play caller? Um, you know, it why not Brian Hartline? Are you going to lose Brian Hartline? Um, oh, well, but he didn't win this. Or he was forced out of Tuscaloosa by Nick Saban. Or look at what the, the Patriots offense was last year. And by the way, there's some validity to a lot of these conversations. Here's what I think Buckeyes fans are missing, though, Spencer, which is the number one takeaway is I don't think that Bill O'Brien comes to Columbus without getting play calling duties. No chance. And I and I think, you know, it's so funny because, like, I, I, I kind of look at Ryan Day and Kevin Stefanski in a similar light. 
as two youngish. They're not. They're they're getting a little older, but they're they're youngish offensive guys. They're really really bright. And what got them hired was their ability to scheme up an offense and to make you know to have these explosive offenses that score an ass load of points and all this stuff. But as you get deeper into being a head coach, all of a sudden, especially in college football. Other things start to take precedence when you're the head coach. And you can't just sit back and scheme up everything and drop all the plays and do all that stuff. And it doesn't mean he's not good at it, although there's some evidence that he might not be the, as, as good as we thought he was when he was uh, Urban's OC. But, like, it doesn't mean that he's not good at it. What it means is that there's only 24 hours in a day. And no, he could be the single greatest play caller in the history of play callers if that took away from him being a good head coach, or if that made him 10% less of a good head coach because he was too busy thinking about play calling in the middle of a game, then, then there's no amount that he could not, there's no amount of greatness as a play caller that would substantiate costing him as a head coach. And I think this season or this off season has been about removing any doubt and giving himself the perfect opportunity to be in the best position to springboard this next year from what some people look as a win or die year and turning this into let's build the thing that the, that you know let's build the bedrock of what this thing's going to be built on for the next decade. And so I look at this as a good moment for Ryan Day whether he was told to do this or not because I think that's a fair point he could have been instructed all right it's time you make these changes we don't know but for him to make this change, I think, is a positive sign. And I think going to a guy who has experience, who's coached in big games, who's, who's been a – honestly, the guy won a butt-ton of games as a head coach in Houston, which ain't easy. And as a guy who has been at the, uh, you know, the right-hand man of both Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, who has wide experience, like in all these sort of schemes – who in Houston ran Clemson plays despite that not being anything close to what he ran in the NFL or at Penn State. Like, I don't know what more you could ask for out of this hire. And it all starts with the fact that Ryan Day now gets to be more of a CEO as a head coach and and somebody he's got there he can now trust to go ahead and actually do the heavy lifting. And I, I think, I don't know how you can look at this as an awful hire or an embarrassing hire or anything like that. I mean, I think from an experience standpoint, he's got what you're looking for. He's worked with two of the greatest coaches of all time, best ever in the NFL, best ever at the college level. I mean, that speaks for itself. Um, I think if you have worries about his offense, like I guess I understand that to an extent. And there were some issues when he was at Bama. People said the offense wasn't quite as prolific. But I go back and I look up the numbers and like, guys, they, they put up. 40, 40 points the one year per game, made the cultural World playoff. They made the championship game, and they lost to Georgia, who they had to play twice that year. And they beat them the first time pretty substantially. And then the second time, Georgia just played a better game, and they they got the better of them in the championship game. But again, it's a, it's a, it's a conference opponent. It's a team that knows you. And you ended up meeting them again, and they got you. And then the second year was not this past season, the season before, where they got the two losses. They lost to Tennessee. Um, and who, who was there? I forget off the top of my head what their other loss was, but they, they don't make the playoff and like, yeah, like that's a disappointing season by Alabama standards. And, and Nick Saban did the thing Nick Saban does, which is, okay, I think it's time to move on. And we're going to send you to, we're going to get you a promotion as our way of almost firing you. Right. 
he always finds a way to like find a soft landing for his assistants that he brings on. But he still was good enough at one point to go work with Nick Saban. And I think that's, to me, like if you're looking for Ryan Day to change his philosophy and change his mindset, and and by the way, Nick Saban now exits stage left, there's an opportunity here to take the reins of the college football game and make it yours and be the team that's like dominating the NIL era um, if you do it right. And it sounds like they've got their money in order and they're starting to really bring people in and keep people around and they, they're off, they're throwing money left and right. So that part's kind of taking care of itself after the Michigan championship run. And now it's up to Ryan Day to sort of pull the right strings and make the right decisions. And to me, like this feels like a Nick Saban decision, not just because he worked for Nick Saban, but I, I'm envisioning this as being like, okay, Bill O'Brien's probably here for a couple years. Maybe he gets promoted and gets an NFL job or something else and finds himself back there. Or he gets a head coaching job at some point. Who knows? But it, it opens the door for you to then find a new OC later. And the, the big thing for me, which you bring up, is that he's finally conceded, like, I'm okay giving this thing up. I'm okay giving up the play calling for the betterment of the team and making sure that we're focusing on – I'm focusing on the right things so that we can win football games and we can be a national championship contender. It doesn't mean he doesn't have any say in the offense. I'm sure he's still going to – um collaborate on things and have some things to say and some things to contribute but i like and, and maybe now he can focus more on those fourth down decisions and he's making he's being more aggressive i don't know what this phrase i'm about to do holy but i i think like i i guess i understand some of the complaints and gripes about bill o'brien if you want to point out that he's ringless or whatever fine but i i think at face value i don't have an issue with this and it feels like the type of move that is positioning yourself to have the right people in power to to call the shots and move this team in the right direction. Like a lot of the stuff that we've seen play out since the since the offseason began has been as well. Um, Ryan Day was ringless when he was hired as the head coach. Uh, Tom Herman was ringless when he came over from Iowa State with Urban. Um, you know, Jim Tressel had not won a major championship as a D1 head coach. I know he'd won a Youngstown State, but like, I just think there's this obsession with gold now. And uh, honestly, he was the offensive coordinator for one season. And what, in what was going to happen if they brought Jason Candle? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, honestly, Liam Cohn. Okay. Uh, Joe Brady was the other name, by the way, which oh, yeah, would have been right. a sexy that's name. Right. I Guys, with what's going on in Buffalo, Joe Brady might be either the next head coach in Buffalo or a head coaching candidate again, because that's kind of saved his profile. But yeah, getting back to this. Around. Um, uh, to me, there's a there's a clear upside and there's a downside to Bill O'Brien beyond a lot of the things we've mentioned. The upside is he's an outsider. And I think coaches are so comfortable in the what I know that it can be tough. It, you almost get into a rut, right? And especially in college football, where college football towns are fiefdoms, where you're very, very rarely challenged the way you are by the media in like uh, in like an NFL market. And I, Urban found that out real quick. Like Jacksonville as a media market is very soft comparatively to the other 31 markets in the NFL. But what it does have is it's a, it's a bigger pipeline to the national consciousness than maybe the little ebbs and flows that happen on a daily basis in, yeah. um, in like a college town. And so – I, I, what I mean to say is it's really easy to get into the group thing. And so anytime you bring somebody out who isn't part of your tree, who is new, 
there's real like you can really grow from that. You know, I mean, that's that's uh, that's Kevin Stefanski bringing in Jim Schwartz, right? Here's a guy don't have a relationship. Now I'm bringing him in. Let's see what bears fruit here. And it, it doesn't always go right, but I do think there's an advantage to if you can really if you can allow yourself to give that person space and in, in, uh, to their experience to grow you and your experience to grow them like that can be a real positive thing for both sides here. And the set now the downside with all this being said is Bill O'Brien's reputation as a human being ain't great. And when, when, and what I mean that, that, I don't know if you watched that Tom Brady, uh, the, the documentary he did like when he, the, like when he first retired or whatever, um, that it was like, they did like seven episodes based on all the, or no, I guess they did 10 episodes based on all his trips to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And they had what was the nickname? Bill O'Brien had a nickname. I think it was like um, something like pot, like like a pot because he like it would explode. Because uh-huh. um, they just said he like runs hot all the time and he's like always in people's faces and he's like very combative. So yeah, you, I, I think you're you're onto something there with like how he fits with that dynamic. Um, but we've also seen him. I would imagine if he's had success at the college level and the NFL level, I think he probably knows how to sort of settle into either of those worlds to make it work and connect with the players at the, at each level respectively. No, well, like, and, I, I would and, imagine he has to have some sort of consciousness of what's going on around him where he can kind of dial that back or not when um, depend based on where he's coaching. And I just want to, so I said complications as a person. I, I, so he's just can be a little bit of a, difficult because, personality uh, by the way it, it was it was it was the teapot the teapot is what the teapot well real, yeah. real quick because i just i made it sound like he was an awful person oh, I no, no, meant, no, like no, no. i meant more of a dip well in case somebody saw this i, I don't want to make it seem like he's a bad man i he yeah, just can be you. a little difficult so i just want to make clear on that because anytime you talk about somebody personally that you don't sure. know i'd like to kind of draw a, a no, firm no, distinction no. there I, and and the other part of this is the heartline thing and I'll be honest with you. One, Brian could have been a head coach yesterday if he wanted to be. And so people worrying that this could lose you, Brian Hartline. I think there's always that risk when you bring somebody new into the staff. I mean, if 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 Hartline and O'Brien don't get along, you never know. I mean, Vrabel and, and Urban didn't get along. And that is why Mike Vrabel went to the NFL back in 2013, two years before he won the national title with Urban. Now, what I would say is, I think that, I would be pretty surprised that with Brian, who who does not have a lot of play calling experience, if Ryan didn't already have a conversation. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, you're still my guy. You're still the future of this program. I'm going to bring somebody in, and I want you to kind of, you know, get firsthand experience with him. And at some point in a later date, you'll be that guy. I'd be you, I'd be really shocked if there wasn't three or four conversations leading up to this. You took the words right out of my mouth because I, this is where I want to go next. A hundred percent. I saw people freaking out, outraged. Oh, how could you do this to Brian Hartline? He's supposed to be the next guy. And I think we've been pretty level-headed on the show about Hartline and his future. And like, yeah, th- there's a chance that he is the future of this program, maybe as a head coach. Maybe in that next phase of that is probably offensive coordinator. But if you are naive enough to think that Ryan Day just wo- like went to bed and woke up yesterday and decided, you know what? I'm just going to hire Bill O'Brien on a whim. I'm not going to tell a soul. I'm just going to I'm just going to call him up and say, hey, you want to come be our offensive coordinator? And then I'll smooth things over later. Like 
this has and been then, going on. And for then when Hartline wait, and when Hartline found out about it, Ryan Day mushed him like he pushed his hand <laughs> to his face and like Heisman him. Get out of here, oh, former OC. Shut o- up, o- nerd. OC by name only. We don't. We don't care about what you have to. Say. Like no, like, you only played in the NFL for ten years, you dick. <laughs> like if, if you don't think there was conversations had in that building about hey, this is what we want to do. This is the direction that we want to go. And I'm sure that Brian Hartline was probably in some of these conversations about potential candidates and hearing the names that were floated out there. I would guess, and if I'm wrong, I'll own it one day. If, the, if, if we hear like in a day from now that Brian Hartline's pissed and he's like looking for a new school to go to and all these receivers he's going to bring with them or whatever, then fine, we'll, we'll have to own that. But I would be stunned, absolutely floored, if they didn't have some type of conversation where Brian Hartline was looped in with the understanding, like you alluded to, that, hey, we want you here. We want you to be the future of this program. Let's bring in a guy like Bill O'Brien, who's got veteran play calling experience. You can pick his brain. You can learn the way he ticks, what what has worked for him. And then that hopefully paves the way for you to take on that role here down the line and build your resume and build your brand and build your eventual college coach um, platform. So, I like... I thought that was a completely moot point. If you're sitting here saying like, this is terrible for Brian Hartline. I can't believe they did him dirty like this. I think that you're not really see, I I think you're guilty of not seeing the forest through the trees here. Like, I I think you're just naive and you don't understand how these things work because this wasn't just an uh, out of whim decision. And like, it it wasn't like Ryan day called up Nick Saban and said, Hey, congratulations on the retirement. Who do you think I should hire for offensive coordinator? Oh, this guy. Okay. I'll just hire him without telling my staff. Like they talked about it. They had to. Well, and I think this is like a way ancillary part of the picture. I also think one of the things that allowed Saban's um, legend to grow over time was how he was able to rehabilitate coaches. And you mentioned the magical impact where they'd be like, okay, you've done your two years now. Uh, We're going to release you to New England, and here's a million-dollar bonus, right? Like that you're going to get a raise and a better job. And I do I mean, think, think real, like, real quick, think of all the coaches that Nick Saban has like rehab their image. Yeah. Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. People thought Steve Sarkeesian would never coach again. Now he's that man at Texas. Like he, he has revived Brian, Brian Dable's trajectory to being a head coach in the NFL started with Saban because he led them to a national championship with Tua. And then he goes to Buffalo and then he goes to New York. Like the, it's crazy how often that happened. And if Ryan day can maybe start doing something similar, like, that's a th- that's a feather in his cap. Well, and here's the thing, um, you know, you know, another guy that is Brian Dable, the Giants head coach, uh, Maryland's oh, head that's, coach. Did, did you not hear what? Did you? Did I break up? Oh, did you say Brian Dable? I said Brian oh my Dable, god! Too. Did it? Not, I, did had it a, I had a Dustin like, Fox moment. Oh, no, that was unmade. Okay. I thought that's you didn't unmade. hear me. <laughs> but no, I mean, so my my point is, like, I I do think. Speaking of forgetting shit, um, I do think like it's it's um, it's almost incalculable how many coaches that Saban rehabilitated. And I think if you're Ryan Day, like you don't really have a coaching tree yet. You're, you're what, four years into this. Jim Knowles did interview for the Duke job and there was some scuttlebutt that he might get that. You know, I I think as you start to kind of, you know, try and plant some things over the next couple of years, I do think having kind of this souped up coaching staff, which at over time you're going to start to lose. And guys, I think that's only going to help you develop coaches below them, you know? And I, listen, I just think you're to a point where you're four years in, 
And I know you had turnover with the defensive side of the ball, and you've had a little turnover here, a little turnover there. But this is really the time to say, all right, where are we good? Where do we need help? And I think what's interesting with, with Bill O'Brien is, where does this lead from here? Right. What does it mean? At does is there are there more changes? I would assume that Bill O'Brien's going to be the OC and quarterbacks coach. That's an assumption. But you know, Alabama's 2024 uh, quarterback, the kid uh, Julian. I'm going to butcher his last name. Sand. Um, there's he's in the portal already. There's a rumor that he could be coming to Columbus because of that relationship. But it makes you wonder. Like, are they going to have to have a conversation about Justin Fry, depending on how they feel about the offensive line? You know, when you bring in a new offensive coordinator and somebody who's going to have this much control over one side of the ball, it does make you wonder if there are other changes that could be coming down and or whether this is the big change. And I, again, I don't have any knowledge, but I just think it's really interesting with them. You know, they already replaced the, the safeties coach. They're already looking for a special teams coach. How much more changes does this lead to on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, it's a good it's a good thought. Um, and I like I just don't I don't know. I, I I can't sit here and act like this is, you know, end of the world stuff here from Ryan Day and this team and add it to the list of things that they've completely screwed up and botched. And I also think too, we we I mean, I don't know, maybe we try to give Ryan Day too much credit on the show at times, but I do think on some level, as we sit back and evaluate everything that's transpired since the, the regular season ended and since the, the the bowl season ended and they they lost to Missouri like a couple weeks ago people were still panicking because they had what 11 guys in the transfer portal or whatever it was mm-hmm. and oh what's gonna happen is this the end of Ohio State are they losing their touch and they've added a number of guys in the transfer portal with more potentially coming yep. um they've re- they've beefed up the coaching staff they have um, they, they still have a top two to three recruiting class in the country since uh, signing day. Like everything is gone other than Michigan going on to win the national championship. Everything has gone relatively good for them to a point where we're having conversations like we had in the last episode about, is this a championship or bus season? So I at least can admire the fact that Ryan day is not just being like, he's not, I'm sure he has an ego. Anybody who's made it to that level of coaching obviously does. But he is not just sticking in his ego and his mind of saying, I have all the answers. I'm going to do it my way. For him to be malleable and accept change and be willing to do some of these things and make some of these tough calls, I think speaks a lot to him understanding the message from fans, from boosters, from everybody. Like He knows what has to happen. He knows that this team has to start winning they have to start beating Michigan. They have to be in that national championship picture. And he's doing everything in his power to do that. So to me, at I, I, face value, like that's maybe what the Bill O'Brien hire means even more so. It's just another um, another decision by Ryan Day that's pointing to, I'm all in on this. I get what you're, what you're telling me. And I'm trying to make sure that I deliver what you're looking for. So I really, I I actually think you're heading in a really fun direction and I actually want to continue with it because I think there's a question we can get to big picture about what has transpired in Columbus. And I also think that's going to lead us into a conversation about what is to come in Columbus or more likely who is to come in Columbus. That's next, but first a quick word from our sponsors.
So uh, you you were leading me to the perfect spot in that last segment there, Spencer, because you were you were talking about you know Ryan Day stepping outside of his comfort zone, and I think it's really it has been a I would say wild like two months here. If you take um, you know from the the end of the Michigan game till now, and you look at every little story arc and every little thought process in Columbus it's been really interesting to see how the narrative has changed. And I I'm going to go full Don Draper here. And one of my favorite takes that he ever had in that show was that if you don't like the conversation people are having about you, or if you don't like what people are saying about you, change the conversation. And I think the narratives in Columbus, and I think the narratives around the program now are about rebuilding, reuniting, like, where two months ago it was that you know Rome is falling and fire Ryan Day and fire this guy and fire that guy and what are we doing and the and you know the Cotton Bowl oh the Cotton Bowl who gives a shit about a fucking bowl <laughs> game by the way but like like the idea that and no there are people out there who who and we see it in the comments which by the way we love the comments please continue to add them <laughs> at Nick Wilson says at Spencito we went from like. Devil on the shoulder, Nick, to angel yep. on the shoulder, Nick, yep. real nope. quick. And also, please, <laughs> right there on the YouTube channel as well, give them to us. Um, but no, like, everybody thinks, like, that's a thing. No, it's not. It's a bowl game. It doesn't matter. And But, like, then, like, people were pissed about, you didn't practice enough during the bowl game, all this, all that, only for in January. I mean, this whole month has been, all right, we're bringing back Sawyer. We're bringing back Tui Moloau. We're bringing back... Uh, Emeka Abuka, we're bringing back Travion. We got Quinshawn Judkins. We got Will Howard. You know, now we're talking about the the kids from Alabama and rating that program. And oh, Bill Bill O'Brien's here now. And we finally made the the coaching staff changes. And honestly, a lot of that was afforded. That 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 arc change was afforded because Ryan Day didn't panic in November and start the changes then. And so I think this is where you do have to give the guy. I know he's you know slow and steady wins the race, but that's a hundred percent what's happened here. I there's always going to be the people who view everything through a negative, um, uh, like negative glasses. Like there's always going to be the fans who just think Ryan Day, no matter what he does, instead of everything he touches turns to gold, everything he touches turns to shit. Like that's that it's it's why you're seeing some of the reaction of Bill O'Brien. It's why they'll add Quinshawn Judkins or whoever, and it'll be like, oh, well, who cares? Michigan just won the national championship, and it's not going to matter. You're still not a tough team, and you got people commenting on that type of stuff. So, yeah, like there's always just going to be some fans who, unless you beat Michigan and win a national championship, you're never going to please them. And I think we obviously we're going into this year feeling like the, the, the Buckeyes have a good chance of doing that. But if you're if you can't sit back and view this thing from the perspective of Ryan Day's trying to change that narrative about this team then i like i think you're just you're you're just you're an immovable object like you're you're just that stubborn that you're going to refuse to budge off of it because you really just don't want to see Ryan Day succeed and that's almost at a detriment to your team then playing well because you'd rather see them lose and Ryan Day get fired almost than give him any kind of credit for anything if they go out and they win next year and they they do all the things that you're asking them to do and they check all the boxes. So, like, I, I don't know. I can't possibly sit here and not believe that they haven't changed the narrative about themselves. They, they went out, they lost to Michigan again, third straight year. Ryan Day hears all the stuff. And, and maybe there's, I mean, I'm assuming there's some internal pressure. 
board of directors, the, the, the powers that be on college campuses, they can get pretty impatient when the head coach that they're paying millions of dollars to isn't delivering on the things that he's supposed to deliver on. And I think Gene Smith, you know, he sort of has Ryan Day in his corner. Um, or Ryan Day has him in his quarter, cor- uh, corner. So um, And his quarter, too. Both quarter <laughs> yes. and corner. Yes. <laughs> so I, I would imagine, like, Gene had his back and tried to defend him. But, yeah, like, there's only so far that gets you. And now he's got a new AD coming in. He senses that, like, this is it. He has to get come through this year to prove to everybody outside and inside that he's the man for this job and he's not just going to rest on his laurels and he's going to build a tough team and all these different things. So, like, yeah, I 100% think he has changed the narrative about this team. Now they're going to have to go do it on the field. Like, that's the bottom line. It's never going to be enough to just see on paper what they've constructed. They have to now go do it and deliver it. But if you, if you go in the next year feeling like, well, another year of Ryan Day is just going to suck and get fired. Like, I got to go and optimistic and feel like this team has a really good chance. And guess what? If they fall short, then we get to have that conversation again. And maybe we do need, maybe they do bring a new head coach in. So, I really actually want to touch on that real quick because I think what's really important to remember here is, you know, one of the things that's happened in the last 24 to 48 hours with all the changes and all the turnover and all the, you know, is people, people who have been doomsdayers and, you know, can't you tell this is, you know, the sky is falling, that kind of stuff. Those people have taken a victory lap because of the moves that, that Ryan has made. And and those are the same people who for eight weeks screamed that he wasn't making the moves. And I don't think people understand that time is the difference between uh, panic and calculated change, right? If you did all this stuff in November, it probably disrupts recruiting it probably disrupts the portal, which was already going to be an issue considering this last year. And the, and honestly, it's not even an Ohio State problem. It's an every school on the planet problem. Um, so if you had done this in the wrong order, or if you had done this in a way to appease fans or appease boosters or appeased the athletic director, you would have hurt yourself far more than you would have helped yourself. And so to anyone claiming, ah, see, there are problems. Yes, but but this man did not panic. Bad leaders panic. Well, I think when, some people some people, people think start he, saying bad things. I think some people think he has panicked though. That's the problem. No, I think some people see all I these moves and they're like, I'm not saying we do. I'm saying I think there's fans out there who are like, see, see, this is a sign, like you said, that there's problems. And now he's panicking to fill them all because he realizes his ass is on the line. But I think that like what are we what are, like it's coach speak, but what do they always say? Like competition breeds um Whatever. I don't even. I'm, I'm like lost. I like. I play. like iron. Iron sharpens iron because we yeah, never. That, do yeah, that. that too. <laughs> um, we got uh, a bunch of fucking blacksmiths out there. Oh, iron sharpens <laughs> iron. Thank you. You think? By the way, you think in this the 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 Iron Age that people got tired of that cliche? Like uh, people have been tired of iron sharpens iron since it became a thing for two thousand years. I think the and, phrase and, I was and looking sports for, talk has brought that bitch back from the dead. I think the phrase is literally just like competition breeds success is what I was looking for. I think the original phrase is like competition breeds innovation, but they've changed it to competition breeds success. So yeah, like the fact that Michigan kind of got on you the last couple of years, it's lit a fire under them. Like like however we get here, I'm okay with it. I like, I want to, I, I guess I shouldn't say that because I didn't really want to see Michigan win a championship, but however, we got to a point where Ryan day is now saying, okay, this is it. Like, I can't, I can't fuck around anymore. Let's go do this damn thing. 
I, 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 I'm okay with that because, and I'm not going to sit here and criticize every move and say, oh, he's panicking. Oh, it's not going to be enough. Oh, he's still going to, he's still going to blow it next year. Like I'm going into the saying, okay, the slate isn't clean. We still have questions about Ryan day, but he has now restacked the deck in his favor. He's making core changes to the philosophy of the program, to the roster. And I'm willing to go in the next year and say, all right, you got another shot. Last year didn't go the way we wanted. The previous two years you lose to Michigan, that didn't go the way we wanted. But if you're really focused on this thing, if you're really doing it right, I'm willing to give you a chance in 2024 to prove to us that you are the man for the job long term. So like, I, that's just the way I, I view it. I, I, I can't be this, well, every one of these moves sucks and every one of these moves is just a reason why they should have fired Ryan Day a long time ago. No, like I'm looking forward as this being good for the program that they're going all in and they've got their shit together with NIL and they're making important changes that hopefully, again, breed that success that we're looking for. Well, and I think the bottom line is, and this is, you know, it's so funny. I, I was listening to the morning show today and uh, Lyman Ken were off, but uh, Daryl Ryder was in and, you know, Daryl was pitching a fit about, you know, I, I don't like losing to Michigan, blah, 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 which is just Tommy tough nut stuff to me. Like the reality is nobody likes losing to Michigan, but the, the, I don't know anybody that is my age or younger has ever experienced a balanced Michigan, Ohio State. Right. Like if you grew up when um, I was really little, it was the John Cooper era and, and dude getting his butt kicked. And, you know, I don't even want to rest- I don't even restate the, me, the stats. Me, real on quick, it. real quick, because you have more familiarity with that than I would being like I was because I'm a little bit younger than you. But Dick. <laughs> You, you've spent the whole day on and off air making me just, feel like an old yeah, fogey. Yeah. So I guess well, I'll no. say to you later, brother. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> like, did did John Cooper ever have a moment like this? Like, was there ever a time when John Cooper just realized, all right, I can't fuck around anymore. I got to go all in and, and bring in the top. Like, was it always just the same with him? Was it like, oh, just trust the process? Or was it like, I'm going to change the process? Because that's what it feels like Ryan Day's doing. He's like, I'm changing the process. We're diving headfirst into NIL. We're bringing in new coaches. I'm willing to relinquish play calling duties. But I don't know how that John Cooper era went because that's another reason why everyone keeps saying he's John Cooper. He's John Cooper 2.0, blah, 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 blah. But did John Cooper ever do this? Did he ever sit down and assess the situation and say, I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that I amend this and get this right because I care that much? I don't know he could ever make these kind of um wholesale changes because the landscape is completely different and so like you know uh, he did by the way he had to make changes several different points because what people forget is people people remember the ryan day era of of terry glenn and orlando pace and bobby hoying and ricky dudley where they were winning a lot of games it's just they wouldn't beat michigan right but what i think people tend to forget is those first five years of ohio state john cooper were some of the, I mean, you're talking about failing to win double-digit games. You're talking about, you know, there were a couple clunker seasons in there where I don't even remember if they were bowl eligible. So Ryan um, doesn't have that. He's never yeah. had that. Well, that's that's why the, the John Cooper stuff has always been incredibly far-fetched. But I just think it's interesting. Like, yes, the, the answer is yes. He did have things he had to change over a decade plus in Columbus. But I think what's interesting is the pressure was always the same. It, the real failure with John was he just never adapted 
to the Michigan rivalry. And I, I he he actually was, if you look at what he did the last five or six years, he actually was a really good head coach. And it's a shame, you know, how his name has become slander in, in you know, football lore because of, of not winning against Michigan. But, like, I think I think it also, like, I don't think the pre- – I think the pressure is way more nowadays because it's the yeah. immediacy of the pressure. It's from every angle. I think, you know, I, I think NIL has emboldened a lot of bad faith actors around institutions. So now the pressure is more significant. You've got more bad faith actors, a lot of guys who want to be the face of NIL collectives. And that's fine when their former players are really good boosters, but not every – good former player, former boosters, good. I'm not saying this about Columbus. It's a generality. And then you've got, oh, oh TV rights. You've got all these things that, that pack in the pressure. And, oh, no, now it's not just enough to, to beat Michigan and win 12 games. Now you got to go ahead and win a national title or at least be in the national title game. And I just think a job like um, Ohio State and a job like Alabama, it's never been better to have that job at its zenith and it has never been tougher to have that job at anything that isn't near Zenith. You know, like people saying that this is the dark age of Ohio State football, quite the frankly, age. Come on. don't know their head from their ass. And because the reality is, I've never known an equal Ohio State rivalry. The first 10 years of my existence, 11 years of my existence, it was a one-sided ass beat. And, and it was more often than not, you had a really good team, but you couldn't beat Michigan. And then along comes Jim Tressel and then Urban, and it was 20 years of dominating them. And now it's swung back the other way. My hope is, what I really hope is, now we can get to the point where, all right, I think this year you're going to strike back. And then let's see what Michigan does to double back the next year. Like, let's get to a point where every other year we're trading off because I think that's only going to strengthen the rivalry. And I think, you know, Jim Harbaugh, three years ago, maybe the best thing that happened to that dude is they tried to neuter him on the spot by taking away his money, by by uh, trimming his uh, the the pool for his uh, his assistance and and mandating changes, and it got Jim Harbaugh out of this mentality of well I'm a Michigan man they're going to support me, and that was a wake up call. I can't imagine how that went, that had to have hurt. Like I still like four years later, I thought it was the most classless thing Michigan has ever done was go to him and say, well, you can be the head coach, but you better take a pay cut. And if you don't take a pay cut, you're not going to be the head coach. To one of their own, to kin, to family, they did that. And so if you look at how he responded, the elevation of Sharon Moore, right? Josh Gaddis moving out. Um, Some of the just the other changes that he made, um, Mike McDaniel to Jesse Minter, like some of the just really intelligent changes that they made alongside – just amping up that roster and being able to build that roster long form because of the COVID year and everything. And that bit of indignation was exactly what Jim Harbaugh needed. Now it might be the thing that pushes his ass back to the NFL, but (laughs) I think with Ryan, I think, you know, when you have everything, it's easy to forget the dangling carrot. It's easy to forget that at any point there is this hubris that comes with success and, yeah. and it, this is in every business. And, you know, I, I see it all the time where guys in radio think they invented the format when all they've done is been the next guy to take over the microphone, you know? And I, I've, I've, so, I've worked so hard to make sure I never take for granted 
what this thing, this microphone allows me to do, no matter what I'm speaking it into, whether online or whether I'm speaking into here on, you know, uh, I almost said social media. God, I am old Spencer. <laughs> but no, like I, I, I think there is this thing. And, and one of the downsides to being given everything for your first head coaching job is you start to think you, you poop gold ingots. And it's it, it it's not the worst. Their base, as well, yeah, it's it's, but it's not the worst thing to be reminded that yeah. you didn't create football. It's not the worst thing to be reminded that you can do something better. Saban reinvented himself. Here's the thing: Saban won six national titles, and the man reinvented himself four different times at Alabama. The most extreme was when he went from you know the same old offense to running it with uh, with Lane Kiffin. So like. This is what is required. If you want to be great, if you want to be a great head coach, if you want to be a great football program, this is where it starts, man. And it, it's not always fun. It's not always comfortable. But you have to make decisions like this. And if people want to say that's panic, that's fine. But Ohio State in two months has changed the narrative from you can't beat Michigan to holy crap, they're throwing their whole ass behind this next year's team. And listen, if it doesn't work out, you're going to get fired anyways. If it does work out, you've changed your program, yeah, and you've and you've and you've you've leapt back over Michigan, and you've leapt back and into the you, conversation. You've maybe le- and you've maybe left up left uh, up over left up over Bama because yeah. Bama is now kind of trying to find where their footing is without Nick Saban now in the picture. I also think too, Nick. I'll keep this short. Um, I think that a lot of times Ohio State fans are guilty of like talking out of the both sides of their mouths, and I'm one, so I'm sure I've done this before too. Because we love the idea of beating up on Michigan all the time and uh, never letting them up off the mat, right? But then at the same time, we love to say, well, for the sake of the rivalry, it'd be nice if Michigan won every now and then. And now they went out and won. They've, they've won a few, and they've kind of fired back at you. They, 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 they've leveled the playing field, and now we think it's, oh, doomsday. Fold yep. the program up at Ohio State. They're never going to be the same again. It's all over. Get Ryan Day out of there. Just, we'll just concede to Michigan for the rest of time. Like, guys, we've been wanting this. We've been wanting Michigan in some way to make it more competitive again, to make it fun. And what has it done? Again, competition breeds success. You have a program in your in your conference that's your biggest rival that punched you back in the mouth. Okay. They punched you three times straight now in the mouth. You thought you had the solutions this time around. You didn't. So what do you go do after that third punch in the mouth? You're like, all right, we ain't letting it be a fourth. We ain't letting it be a clean sweep for some of these kids that were probably freshmen on that team or trying to get four years in a row of beating us. We're going to change the game, and they are. So, again, I have to give Ryan Day at least some credit for that, for realizing the situation. People are complaining about him not taking the rivalry seriously. This tells me he's taking that shit very seriously. He watched him go win a national championship, and his response has been brunt force. His response has been, all right, fine. You got one. Good for you. Now we're going to fire back and we're going to put together a juggernaut super team and try to take you down. By the way, real quick here, as you and I are talking, Ohio State makes it official. Uh, Bill O'Brien is uh, is going to be the offensive coordinator and QB's coach, as we talked about earlier. And uh, Brian Hartline will be co-offensive coordinator in, in addition to continuing his capacity as the nation's premier wide receivers coach, which is uh, – a nice little uh, pat on the booty there as you get that. And also, Corey Dennis, uh, the, the former quarterback's coach, will transition into a still-to-be-determined role within the program. So that is the latest out of the Bill O'Brien hiring. Uh, when we come back, we we did not intend for this segment to go where it wins. So when we come back, we got the Michigan panic meter. We're also 
going to get into the next names that could be coming to Columbus and maybe a little bit of that Bjork mm, disgust on that. Oh, damn. Uh, my, my computer's about to crap out here. But uh, more, but first a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, it's uh, it's Nick and Spencer. We're back here. I, of course, this is my ghost. Change phone. of scenery, yeah. Change of scenery. I'm actually now broadcasting live from heaven. One of the finally did the trick here. As you can see, this is my uh, corporeal form. Um, my celestial form is down back at Earth, but I still really just enjoy talking about Ohio State football and. You know, I'm going to really spook up Dustin Ryder. Do you have any insight into it from heaven? Does Ohio State win a national championship next year? I mean, listen, I don't want to be breaking a lot of rules, but yes. Um, and do, uh, here, Here's a better question. Do I take over your slot on afternoon drive now that you're gone? I mean, that, I mean, rest took, in peace, Nick. But. Dog, it took two <laughs> questions. It took two questions to go from, oh, is Ohio State going to win? to can i have your old job <laughs> i have a family spencer all right i have three beautiful daughters and a beautiful wife what what's next hey uh, can i move into your house and uh, is vanessa into plural marriage because you know i already got a kid and a wife but we can kind of do a whole you know a big love kind of thing like let <laughs> let the body cool brother we haven't even hit lividity, and you're out here. All I'm saying is, through my pockets. Keep it in mind. I know you have some wonderful children of your own, but if you can write Spencer German takes over afternoon drive in your will, I would greatly appreciate it. You know, make sure that Andy sees it, and we're we're all good. You know, we've 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 got a great bond. We're good friends. We do this podcast together. So every day you'd say this this show today is in uh, memoriam yes. of Nick Wilson. That can be part of the deal. If you put yeah. that in your will, it will yeah, be in memoriam of my good friend Nick Wilson. You know what? Now I'm going back to my body. Now I'm not dying. <laughs> Out of spite, I am now staying alive for the rest of my life. But Ohio State still wins the national championship, right? Not now. Not now because of this bullshit. If I was in heaven, I would have been able to make it work, but not now. Um. Uh, no, I'm still very much alive as far as I know. But uh, to go ahead and get and into it. still very much the host of Afternoon Drive. And still very much a first-class pain in the butt. But <laughs> um, we do get to our Michigan panic meter. Mine has not changed. I am still in the lightest of gray. That's actually my only regret is I can't get less gray than here. Like, I, we are yeah, off more, the charts. More gray. More gray. That's the one. That's yeah. what I meant. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just beyond any sort of panic. Uh, granted, it's because you don't play them for another 11 months or so, 10 months or so. But no, I mean, I, I really like where Ohio State's going. And I think it's interesting. Now the other shoe to fall will be what additional players you can add and what really happens at Michigan with Harbaugh. Uh, obviously, the assumption would be Sharon Moore takes over for him. But, you know, what happens if he goes to the NFL? How does that impact the portal? All that kind of stuff. But I, I am... I'm very excited about where this thing is. Uh, I'm very excited too. I'm going to stay in the light gray. And I was, I'll tell you, Nick, the thing I've, I've decided that the thing that will make me move my meter Ooh. into full gray. It moved. <laughs> would be seeing and hearing about the reports of what Will Howard looks like 
in spring ball. I, I want to, cause again, I, I, I believe that he's going to be better than Kyle McCord. We've talked about it already, but to sort of see it all come together, see him actually throw the football to guys on this team and start getting implemented into the offense. We know that that stuff also matters. Fit matters, all those different things. Now you got Bill O'Brien. How will he fit into the schemes that he wants to run and the structure that he, he operates the offense in. So those are all things I'm kind of waiting to see on once I get maybe, or hopefully fingers crossed, good reports on that. Or if, you know, whatever, then, then I'll be able to, I think, sort of join you in the dark gray, in, in the deep end of the pool, if you will. And uh, I'll probably stay there for the majority of the offseason leading up to first kickoff of, of week number one of next year. So I, I'm, I'm waiting to kind of see a few things uh, as, as spring ball opens up. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm not panicked. I, I like the thing, the way things are going. The other thing that could sway it to, and this is what we're about to talk about, is if a couple of these other big name recruits that are out there on the market potentially come to Ohio State. So I will say nothing, you know, we are one of the shows that we really pay attention to our comments on the 92 through the fan YouTube channel and, you know, on social media as well. And Nick Wilson says at Spencer to underscore and nothing makes me laugh harder that Michigan fans don't get the bit that the Michigan panic meter is not Michigan panicking for you, but our own level of concern about beating Michigan. Cause every time we post a video of our final segment, which every time is the Michigan panic meter, Michigan fans are like, we ain't panicking. We just want a title. And it's like, you are wildly defensive for a, for a school. <laughs> like, and like, here's the thing, guys, keep bleep posting us as many comments as you can. We love it. We love to see the smack talk. And if you see, I will actually just be like, yeah, enjoy that dub. Like, I'm not going to talk smack <laughs> because the reality is, like, you've earned the right to talk smack. But the defensiveness of, we're not panicking. I don't know why, why you say we're panicking. We're, we, just, we just won a championship. We don't have anything to panic about. I'm like, your defensiveness says you are panicking. The number little. the number of signs that tell you that it's not about Michigan. Like, like how, how in your head and in your feelings are you that you think everything's about you? Like it, it, like it's not all about you. Like the color scheme of the meter is literally scarlet and gray. So clearly, we're talking about Ohio State and the level of panic that they should have about Michigan at this point. And you know what? You're not panicked because you just won a national title. Well, guess what? Nick and I aren't feeling very panicked either because Ohio State's ready to punch it back in the mouth next year. We'll see. Well, and I, I, it fair is fair. If this was a, uh, you know, an Ann Arbor podcast or Detroit podcast. Uh, and that was an Ohio State panic meter, I guarantee you there would be Ohio State fans in the mentions of them saying, well, Ohio State's not panicking. We're not panicking. We just got Will Howard. We just got Bill O'Brien. I don't know we're panicking. I actually think it'd be the opposite. I think it would 100% be, you guys are in the, the if it was, say it was maize and blue colors, you guys are in the in the blue? You should be full maize. Ryan Day's still the head coach. As long as he's the head coach, I'm full maize every day. That's that'd just be if Anthony Lima was in their mentions. <laughs> um, man, a lot of shots being taken today. You tried to kill me and then tried to take my job. Man, I didn't try to kill you. You, you just embraced my seg- death very you quickly. You started the segment with, hey, I this is the ghost of Nick Wilson. I have now yeah. passed. And listen, it, it's an opportunity. So I'm going to try to seize that opportunity. That's I, all I know saying. we all grieve differently, <laughs> but you basically – double flip uh flip the double birds to uh miss kubler ross because your grieving scale you went from there was no denial there what there what was it denial anger bargaining depression acceptance you went straight to acceptance you were like i guess he's gone 
He's morbidly obese. It was bound to happen. You know, you know, what's funny. You know, what's funny is every time I fill in, this is like really um, behind the scenes at 92 to the fan, not so much our podcast, but every time I fill in on the night show on our station, there's one uh, listener who tweets me and he asks what I did with our, our, our full-time night show host, Jonathan Peterlin. He's like, Oh, what'd you, what'd you do? What'd you do with JP this time? Did you hire a hitman? So I, I find it funny that this has now come full circle where people are going to assume that now I'm trying to do the same with Nick Wilson. So see when anyway. you when you actually uh, live long enough to become the villain, which every sports talk uh, host does become a villain to somebody. Um, there's at least one or two people that instead of being like, "Hey man, hope you're okay," their version of showing me concern is to be like, "Oh, you finally died," and I'm just like, you know, I am a human. I'm a human. I, I have feelings. You know, I maybe maybe don't put it like that. Ah, we got a little man sighting. Hell yeah. Ah, somebody's trying to take your job. Not so goddamn funny now, is it? Ah. He is trying to take my job. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. My, 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 how the turntables have turned. Yeah, this is. Go see mama. It's okay. <laughs> oh, man. He definitely wants my job. It's fine. Yeah, hey. One day. I, we're stealing if, money. I don't know. He, if he can make coherent sentences with you about uh, Ohio State football and Ryan Day, then I'd, I'd let I'd let him do it. But right I, now, I just, it would just be a bunch of mumbling, and you'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good point." And uh, if you want to follow Sons of the Shoe, you can find it. At- you basically just described me working with Dustin for five hours a day. <laughs> Okay. This show's Tiger, off the rails. Tiger keeps getting out of the cage here. <laughs> Too many shots fired. Um, I was thinking about the Alabama portal, and it does feel like it is just open season on yeah. Alabama kids right now. Caleb Downs looked like he could be going to Georgia, but Ohio State is still in the mix there. And the big kind of spicy piece of tuna out there, it literally, he's about six foot seven, 330 pounds, is Caden Proctor, the left tackle for Alabama, who I think was the number one tackle in last year's class, came in as a freshman, was the starting left tackle. Um, as, as it kind of sets up here, now uh, apparently Iowa really wants in them pants as well, but if you could only choose one, let's say you only had enough NIL. We're playing a hypothetical here. This is not really how this works. But if you could only choose one and you could guarantee you'd get one of them, who would you choose? If I can only pick one, I'm probably taking um, I, I'm probably taking Proctor, Caden Proctor. I, I think, listen, the idea of Caleb Downs is, is, is great. And I, I know Ohio State was linked to him when he was coming out of high school anyway. Um, and he's he's a hell of a player. It'd be nice to have him. But I think we saw with this defense last year, like I'm going with Lathan Ransom and Josh Proctor as your your two starting safeties. And I understand where, you know, you can get an upgrade in downs and that's great. Um, guy who started, he got some playing time almost immediately. I think he's also a, a special teams whiz too. Like he can be a returner for you. So there's a lot, there's a lot to his skill set that he brings to the table. It'd be great to get both. It'd be great to get him. But if I'm being honest, as we talk about this blueprint for beating Michigan and the tough team idea, and that's the thing that has people worried about it, they're going to be able to do it again next year with these skill positions loaded up again. Like I, That's the biggest area I still have questions about is the offensive line. And if you want to get the most out of Will Howard, I want to see that group just have as much talent as possible. And Caden Proctor is a bona fide lockdown tackle 
Um, starting as a freshman is tell is, is pretty telling, um, especially at Alabama, like a place like that where, where Nick Saban's playing the best of the best. I would love to get Caden Proctor here. And you know what? If Caden Proctor decides he wants to go to Iowa because they're going to throw a lot of money at him, fine. Have fun scoring 10 points a game next year. That's all I got to say. I will say for offensive linemen, that is the kink is uh is is getting into as many fist fights as you can <laughs> scoring the points doesn't matter it's just getting as many <laughs> slop fights as you can he's possibly gonna be get. in his post-game press conference just like yeah you know we didn't win the game but i love when we can run the football for 175 yards and i can just bulldoze people down the field like yep cool man but hey, uh, don't, don't knock it till you try it buddy um <laughs> so I, i'll be honest i was actually more torn on this than i than i thought they would be you know josh proctor is going to the senior bowl uh, at the end of the month here so it's it's lathan ransom it's a couple other young guys that's right I, yeah you're, I, I you're a little thin that. here because you also had i can't remember the kid's name but uh i think he went to either lsu or louisville i know it's i, I know it's definitely an l name school but you lost a kid in the portal um who's a safety so you are thin in that room and caleb downs would be able to step in and be an immediate impact maker in in the secondary and i think it would take pressure off your corners because he's just such an elite talent but caden proctor to me is the kind of guy that changes offensive lines you know to me when you start to build an offensive line you're looking can i get an elite tackle or can i get an elite center right can i can i find an elite piece to build around and usually like i think the cleveland browns are doing a great job at building around the interior of the offensive line and then putting up with the I, – I think that allows you to have a little weaker edges, right? This year, uh, Posick, Teller, and um, Batonio were just so freaking good. It really helped you figure out the tackle spot where you're on your fourth and fifth tackles, and at some point, six tackles. But in this case, Caden Proctor would be the best offensive lineman you've had in a decade. I mean, and think about it. I mean, they've had some really good, so I don't want to besmirch everybody, but I was trying to think of like, who would be a bet who's like definitively an absolutely better offensive lineman. And the reality is, you know, a lot of those teams under urban were draft, were kind of developing guys and yeah, you still got some really good recruits, but like how many top 10 picks did you have that went on to be uh, left tackles in the NFL? And this Caden Proctor is like play for the next two years, stay healthy, and you will be a top five, top 10 pick in two years. And I think that's the kind of guy that you build an offensive line around. I think it allows you to move Simmons to the other side of the line where he might be a little bit more comfortable. And, you know, between your interior guys, now all of a sudden, you know, Jackson's back. Um, I don't know if Hinsman still is alive. I don't know if he has been, uh, I don't know if he's up here with me. He's been abducted in a, in a, by, yeah. by a, a, a van with people with hooded figures that, uh, Ohio they... state's version of uncle T just yeah, lost his yeah. shit when he saw the podcast, <laughs> but you know, you got the kid from Alabama already, the, the, uh, McLaughlin. So like, I, I just think, I, I don't know. You could draw up a better finishing piece to an off season where you kept your own and added more talent to it in the portal and, and in the recruiting class, I don't know you could have a better cherry on top of this Sunday yeah. than Caden Proctor. And it really is because it is your absolute need and he is a game changer up front for you. Yeah, no, I, I think you're hundred percent right. Um, and maybe, especially maybe some of the shuffling that you would do along the offensive line. And I just think, again, that's the one area still 
that I'm like, how is there any way to get better there? And that's again, I, I talk about my Michigan panic meter shifting or, or moving. If they can bolster that group a little bit more, and if somebody like Caden Proctor actually came here, that would be the thing that I think sets me off, sets me into being more in like the the full on gray because I, I think that's the one area that we still haven't seen them fully addressed during this transfer portal time and the off season and all this different stuff. So I, if that happens, um, I'd, I'd be I'd be through the roof. Yes. Caleb Downs would be incredible. I would love to have him too. I'd love to get both if possible. But if I have to pick one or the other, I, I'm 100% taking Caden Proctor. All right, guys. Uh, it's going to be an, an insane rest of the month here. Obviously, we've got the Senior Bowl coming up at the end of the month. Plenty of Buckeyes playing in that game. That begins the NFL draft process, which is, you know, don't look now, but there are a lot of intriguing Buckeyes going into the draft. So we'll have that on the forefront. Obviously, Bill O'Brien could be just the first piece of uh, kind of reworking this offensive side of the ball. They still need a special teams coach. We're on portal watch with Alabama players. So make sure to do yourself and us a favor by following the show wherever you get your podcast, uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, the free Odyssey app, and of course on 92 Through the Fans YouTube channel. Uh, make sure to give us a follow. Also follow us on social media at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore I don't remember if I have anything else to say. It has been a whirlwind day. It's been a whirlwind uh, week here. Uh, Spencer, as I end every podcast, we say, Echo Bucks. R.I.P. Ghost of Nick. R.I.P. Ooh.